The first of this morning's readings is taken from Isaiah chapter 43, reading from verse 16 through to 24. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they, lay, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Yet you have not called on me, Jacob. You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not brought any fragrance calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins, and wearied me with your offenses. The second of the readings is taken from John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8, and can be found on page 1019. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served. While, G while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about half a liter of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Amen. And we welcome Phyllis to speak to us this morning. Phyllis is one of the lay preachers from the local Methodist circuit, uh, Cambridge circuit, and also Pippa's aunt. So there's a special link to our church, and we thank her for coming and being so faithful to us. 
Yes, and as Camborne is part of the Cambridge circuit, so I belong to you as well. Looking at the passage from John's Gospel, um, we're looking into the place of Bethany, where Jesus has gone. Um, he's gone up for the, for the Passover to Jerusalem, but he stays out at Bethany with his friends, Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Uh, a family he's very close to and is, is very, um, they, they love him a lot for various reasons. I personally think I identify more with Martha in the family because uh, Martha's the one that likes to bustle around and do things and get things ready. You saw in this story, there they are having a meal and Martha is one of those who's preparing the meal and, and serving it. Uh, and that's me, I tend to want to get on and do things, you know. But Mary is the one who liked to sit and listen. She loved Jesus so much and she loved to listen to his stories, loved to listen to what he was saying, loved to be around him, was one of his disciples, not acknowledged as such because women weren't acknowledged as disciples in those days, but if you take, uh, as John tends to take, uh, the, the idea of discipleship, not as being one of the twelve, but as being people who listened and responded to Jesus' love, then Mary was very much one of the disciples. If we go back into Luke's Gospel, we'll see the meeting of uh, Mary, Martha and Jesus uh, in the days when Jesus was talking to the crowds and they came into the house. He was talking to people in Mary's house and Martha, as usual, was running around getting the meal ready, getting everything ready for the family and uh, Mary was doing nothing. Well, she was. She was sitting there. She was sitting at Jesus' feet, listening. And Martha gets very upset about it and says, Lord, tell her to get on. Tell her to come and give me a hand. I'm doing it all on my own. And Jesus said, Martha, stop fussing. Mary's chosen the better part. Mary has chosen to sit and listen. And here again, we see Mary... Martha getting on, doing things, and Mary is there being more interested in Jesus himself, wanting to show him how much she loves him. And so she takes this ointment, this perfume, which is very expensive and it's very extravagant, and she breaks it, pours it over his feet, wipes his feet with the hairs of her head. Mary sat at his feet to learn. Now... She kneels at his feet to serve. I don't know if, like me, you get a lot of letters through the door. It seems sometimes that we get more posts saying, please, can you give me two pounds for this? Can you give so much every week? Can you... And usually the things they're asking are very commendable, very worthwhile. And you feel, yes, I really ought to be giving two pounds to this and three pounds to that and something to the other. But if you're like me, we tend to sit down and we work out what can we afford to give? Who can we afford to support? Elsie and I tend to split it between us, you know, so one of us gives to this and one of us gives to the other, and that way we can cover more charities. And there's one or two charities that are close to our hearts that we, that we give to regularly. What can we afford to give? We so often ask ourselves that question. 
Well, Mary didn't ask it. She had a bottle of expensive perfume. And she didn't ask, how much is this costing? She just gave it. Sometimes we're challenged like that. Something comes on, it might be the tsunami, it might be the floods in um, Mozambique. It may be something like that, or it may be something closer to home. Someone that we hear about that's having great difficulty or trouble, or a child that has a problem, and we feel, yeah, I really must do something about that. And we don't look and say, how much is it costing? Can I afford it? We just put our hands in our pocket and we give, or we give our time or our talents. One of the shows I love watching, and I shouldn't do it on a Saturday night because it's too late, is Do It Yourself SOS. And um, we were in a Lenten group the other day and somebody mentioned it and somebody rather cynically said, well, they do it because they can get more trade if people see them on the television. And I thought, that's, that's an awful way to look at it, isn't it? Because there are so many people, whenever a Do It Yourself SOS comes on, who willingly give their time and their talents, they may pick up a bit of trade, I don't know, but they willingly give what they have, what they are, take a week off work to go and help a family that desperately needs their help. And at the end, you just see them, you know, tears running down their faces. When they see how happy they have made that family and how much they have enriched the lives of the people they've helped. Not calculated giving, but giving out of generosity. And that's what Mary was doing. She knelt. She didn't care what it looked like. She didn't care that in her um, society, women didn't have loose hair hanging around. And they certainly wouldn't wipe somebody's feet with their hair. And they didn't make an exhibition of themselves. Mary didn't care. She loved Jesus and she wanted to show how much she loved him. And so she knelt and she poured out her love as she poured out her perfume. And the disciples were critical. You shouldn't be doing this. You should have sold the perfume if you didn't want it. Sell it and give the money to the poor. But Jesus said no. No. The poor are always with you and you'll always have opportunities to give to the poor. But sometimes you need to show love in an extravagant way. The poor aren't going to suffer and they don't suffer when we give the fragrance of our worship to Christ. When we give him our love, then through the love and the openness of our giving, the extravagance of our giving, then the people around us will also be blessed. When we love God enough, then we will also love other people. And what we have, we will share with them. There are so many places you go into these days and you see a box for the food bank. And you see people just slipping something in. No one acknowledges what they give. But what they give is there to help others who need it. We may be the ones who need that help. I don't know it very well, but I have seen it and read it occasionally. But there is a book, maybe you'll be better at this than I am, but there's a book that um, says, how much do you love me, mummy? 
how much do you love me? I think it's a baby rabbit, isn't it? And uh, he says, I love you to the moon. And mum says, I love you to the moon and back. And whenever he tells mum how much he loves her, she caps it with something better. I love you extravagantly. And that's what Mary was saying to Jesus. And that's what Jesus wants us to do. To learn of him so that in learning and loving him, we can go out and love others and share that love with them. Mary had come to Jesus for help. In the chapter before, in John's Gospel, we are told the story of Lazarus. Lazarus was Mary's brother, greatly loved brother, and he died. He was very seriously ill, and Mary and Martha sent to Jesus to ask him to come and heal their brother. And Jesus delayed for a couple of days before going. And when he went, Lazarus had died. And they said, Lord, if you'd come, you could have saved him. And Jesus said, don't worry, don't worry. And he goes to the grave and, and he fetches Lazarus back to life. And Mary, who had gone through this grief of seeing her brother ill and then dying and then coming back to life again, is sitting at this table, sharing a meal with, uh, with Jesus. There is Lazarus there, sitting at the table, sharing the meal while Martha serves and, and Mary is there, showing Jesus her love. She sees her brother alive. And she wants to show Jesus the same kind of love and help that he showed her when she needed it. Perhaps Mary is the only one who really was listening at this time to what Jesus says. The disciples are not entirely sure of what's going on. We know this from the days after Jesus died when, you know, they're walking along. We thought he was the Messiah, but he's been put to death. They visualised Jesus as the Messiah, the one who would save, the one who was going to have that triumphal uh, uh, entry into Jerusalem. And people were going to shout for him. He was going to be the Messiah. They saw the glory that they thought Jesus would bring. But Mary, Mary sees beneath it. She sees beneath the skin, beneath the surface. She has listened to what Jesus says. And she can see in him something of what he is going through at this time. You know, if someone you love is in trouble and they're trying to hide it, can they hide it from you if you really love them? Can you not see in their eyes, in the look in their face, that smile that doesn't quite reach as far as it should? And you know they're hiding something. They're not telling you all. Well, Mary was like that. She could look at Jesus and she could understand that there was more to it than, than was being shown. The stories he was telling in the last days of rejection, of judgment, there was more to it. Mary looks with the eyes of love and she sees more there. And she sees that here is someone who needs to know that he is loved, 
just as much as he loves other people. And so she breaks the perfume over his feet as a sign of her love for him, the extravagance of that love. It's quite interesting, the story that you had beforehand. It was actually taken from Luke's Gospel, put in a slightly different place. The story John and Mark and Matthew have places Jesus actually in Bethany, which was probably at Martha and Mary's house. Luke tells it slightly differently. But it was interesting the way uh, that the flowers were given because we so often take our leaders for granted. We expect them to be there for us. We expect Mary to organise the services and make sure there's a preacher. We expect people to do the jobs that are needed around. We expect our ministers to be there for us when we need them. I know one family we had and the lady wasn't very well, but she was always complaining that nobody had ever come to visit her, despite the fact that three people had been in that same week. It never occurred to her. And we're very quick to, to, to judge and to condemn if the minister hasn't been. And at the moment here, we're in a difficult situation because there is no minister at the moment in this church. But you have people who are keeping the church going who are working in the church and who are doing all they can to, to find and um, replace, advertise, find a new minister who can come and be the minister that you need in this place. And I don't know why you haven't got people flocking to come. I really don't. So it was lovely to see people being acknowledged for what they do do because so often we take people for granted. And yet it is a difficult job. And so often ministers break under the lack of support and being expected to be the all-in-all all to people. We need to be there for them too, to give them our support and our love. And to say sometimes, what can I do for you? Is there anything you need? Do we notice? Do we need to be nudged? Do we have the eyes of understanding? And Mary had saved for herself, but now she gives to her saviour the perfume, her precious perfume that she had saved. Not a little. We're told it was worth about a year's wages. It actually said there was a pint. I don't know, ladies, how many of you put a pint of perfume on every day? But we can see what happened when Mary poured a pint of perfume over Jesus' feet. The fragrance of that perfume filled the whole of the house. So it wasn't only Jesus that was blessed with the perfume, but everyone in the house shared in that blessing and her love and her faith. In the story from Isaiah, we're told all the good things that God had done for his people. And he says, but you haven't acknowledged it. You don't come to me and worship me. You don't give me the fragrance of your worship. 
Now, it's not that God needs our worship. God is God, and he is self-sufficient. He doesn't need our worship. But we need to give it. He knows that we need to be able to show our gratitude for what is done. He doesn't want people to bring praise because without it he can't be God. He's not Tinkerbell, you know, who vanishes. If, if people don't acknowledge there are fairies, then Tinkerbell would die. Peter Pan, for those who are not sure. God won't vanish if nobody in the world believed in him. He's still God and he's still there. He was there before we were and he'll be there after we are there. The people who say to me, you know, well, um, I, I don't believe in God. Well, that's fine. But God believes in you. God isn't there because you believe. You're there because God believes. God doesn't need our thanks. He can manage without it. But what he wants us to do is to realize what is around us. To be grateful for what we have. And so often we're not. We've let our world get polluted and spoilt because we don't look around us and see what is there and appreciate it. We just take it for granted, like we take people for granted so often. When we show gratitude, when we look after people and places and things, then it benefits us. It isn't God we're benefiting. It's good for him to see our love and our praise. But it benefits us because when we show our gratitude, when we appreciate what we have, then we appreciate other things. We appreciate people around us. We appreciate what is done for us. We appreciate our neighbours. We appreciate our world, the world that we live in. And we make the world a better place. We help others to appreciate it as well. We have gifts and talents that God has given to us. And if, like Mary, we share them, then the fragrance of them, the beauty of them, the wonder of them, the extravagance of our love is shared with everyone. John gives a farewell discourse. He tells his disciples all about love and the kind of love he wants them to have. But he didn't need to tell Mary. She already knew. Let her alone. The house is filled with perfume, sweet and rare. For fragrant are the deeds of love, pervading everywhere. And fragrant to the Saviour's heart. How fragrant, who shall guess? The labour that the world esteems. A labour of excess. Amen.